Skip Schumacher is assembling a staff. It looks one hell of a staff, full of studs. And also, the front office is getting some promotions. Also, the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Miami Marlins, they look to me to be a potential perfect trade partners this offseason. Pitching for outfield. We're going to dig into that, all of that, on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked on Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Yes, yes, it is a verified account. Yes, I have paid seven quid to be verified. I don't care. You can't be verified anymore. Twitter blue is gone. They've stopped it. So does that mean it's now officially official in terms of verification? I don't know. I don't care. Anyway. At Miami Marlins underscore UK. <laughs> Thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. It's the Tuesday episode. Welcome. Hit subscribe if you are listening in the pods. Also, there's a YouTube channel. Head over there. Hit subscribe there also. You will see if you are watching. Sean Barrett and myself are back. UK goat Sean Barrett. How are we doing, brother? I'm doing well, Pete. As always, it's great to join you and uh, talk some baseball. 100%. We've got a packed show, actually, as you've heard by the intro. There's a lot to get into. Uh, when when Craig was on the show last week, I asked him, Craig, what's happening with Skip Schumacher's staff? When are we getting some names? When are we starting to piece this together? He said, Pete, by next week, it'll be pretty much filled out. Is anyone shocked that Craig was correct? Because I'm not. Nevertheless, starting to get some names through and filling some... There's still some roles to be filled, nevertheless. But there's some names that are appearing, and I think names that we can be excited about to a degree. Um, in the we won't really know until we get into get into things. But nevertheless, we'll we'll share what those names are and equally what the gaps that that remain. We've also got a, a front office promotion. We're going to touch on that as well. And in the second half of the show, we're going to talk about the Marlins and Diamondbacks as potential perfect trade partners this offseason. So let's Let's start with the, the hirings. Here's what we know, guys. We know Skip Schumacher is the manager. We also we also then know that there's a new bench coach, and it is a Colombian bench coach as well. I saw that news dropping. Uh, I believe he was supposed to be the World Baseball Classic uh, manager of, of Team Colombia. Um, I'm not sure how this impacts that it, he may not be able to be doing that i don't know we'll wait and see let's assume that he won't be able to but luis urrieta <laughs> oh man these marlins and their interview processes and their hires continue to flummox me i'm going to go with urrieta <laughs> anyway i know there's a few colombian listeners and friends please message me but Here's the thing on that one, Sean, just starting on the bench coach. Um, it's good that they've got someone in and they've got that they've got that done, which I think is important, clearly. The other thing, too, uh, obviously there was this talk about Skip Schumacher and was asked about this. Do you see, do you speak Spanish? No, I don't. 
I think it's important probably have a bench coach that is bilingual and will be able to resonate with and speak the language of, let's say, at least half of the roster. So for me, I think that's that made sense. Is there anything else you wanted to particularly pull out? Or equally, um, is there anything you want to add in terms of the pronunciation of this surname? Well, seeing as I, I currently use my man Shane to net to call a, a current Tampa Bay Ray, I think it might have to be my my guy Louis at bench coach. Yeah. <laughs> Think I, so. uh, yeah, there's not much to add. Is there? It's, it's always difficult. I mean, he's he's a guy that spent you know 15 years with the Diamondbacks, so obviously strange that it's taken him that long to work up to a bench coach there. But yeah, I think. It, it will be, it's the proof is in the pudding, is it? We just don't know. Um, as you said, the fact that he will speak Spanish and be that that second man in control in the dugout is, mm. is absolutely vital. But, you know, he's not just there for that, that ability. He, he'll be there for many things. And, yeah, it will take time. We're going to need to see at least half-season season to sort of get an understanding of, of who he is, how he, how he runs, you know, that the lineup uh, and and see how he develops them because ultimately that's where the Marlins have struggled in the past couple of years is that sense of we get guys coming up from the minors that have hit reasonably well and then come up and, and you know, don't exactly light the world on fire. So it's tough. Yeah. Isn't it? It, you'd like to think that they've brought in a trusted guy and it's just it's time to tell, isn't it, ultimately, with all of these hires, in fact. Yeah, for sure. I do like the fact that when you look if you look to last year's staff, you it was heavily, I would say, you know, heavy American in many ways. Do you know what I mean? Like it was not there wasn't much of a uh, a Latin vibe through the staff. Donnie, Rousen, Mel, Marcus Thames, Keith Johnson, like Eric Duncan. I know was there. Was, he used to be the hitting coach and then transitioned into another kind of analytics type role. So there was a lot of like non. Latin dudes in that in 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 the the staff there, so I think it is. I think it's an interesting and important part actually to make sure you have effectively the right hand man that speaks the language fluently, speaks the language and communicate properly in terms of what Skip is thinking, what he's asking for, all that kind of stuff, and make sure there's nothing lost in translation. I think that's really important and maybe something that that kind of went and missed last year and it maybe got left to like Miggy Rowe to kind of run the show. And may, you know, fair enough. I mean, he, he should be maybe trusted in that, that role in some ways, but I think it's different having a, a manager or a coach doing that versus leaving it to one of your senior players to try and do that. Like it's hard to kind of distance yourself from a, your coach to player and vice versa. So I do think that's a really interesting element to this. What about that on that topic, just before we yeah, kind of move on? It's a case of it's it's not just talking the talk, it's walking the walk. Like mm. there's you know, it's not just about being able to speak Spanish, it's about being able to relate to the players and yeah. relate to, to their journey to the major leagues. Um and the culture, because it is, you know, you I could speak Spanish and I still wouldn't ingratiate myself in, in that in that way because I just I don't have an experience of that. So I think it is it is a case of they having that Latin influence in the coaching staff is absolutely vital um, when you're talking about not only a baseball team but a baseball team in Miami. I think that's a very important aspect to have. Yeah, yeah, me too. 
Okay, so we know Mel Stoudemire is back as pitching coach, multi-year deal, we believe on that. Hitting coach is not yet filled. Obviously, Marcus Thames won't be back. We know that. He's uh, now with the Angels. But there's rumors that Dave Hansen uh, is is a, is a strong candidate, I believe, for the hitting coach. I believe Dave Hansen with the Reds. Um, and we'll wait and see on that one. But we've also now got John Jay uh, in as first base. Maybe some outfield, I think. I think it's sort of like first base and outfield. So John Jay... Um, I mean, he only stopped playing, what, last year or the year before? So he's pretty much like fresh out of playing and straight into coaching, which to, to your point, though, Sean, about being relatable and knowing the game, the modern game, I think that's a really shrewd hire as well, just getting someone in that's been like so recently playing the game and in clubhouses as a player. Um I guess the proof will be in the pudding, but what would you what would you take on that one? Like literally fresh off the field, like, hey, John Jay, let's go. Yeah, I think obviously they played together. I think that'll be a, a key thing, and obviously. it's not just it's not just a case of I'm hiring one of my friends, but you know, we do as people, we do we relate to you know there are people that we relate to that we understand that think the same way we do. Like if you yeah. can have someone that you work with who could almost finish your sentence and knows what you're going to be thinking about the situation. Well, if something arises up and you're thinking, how am I going to deal with that? I'll go and, you know, I'm going to speak to, I'm going to go speak to John because I know that yeah. he'll have the same sort of thoughts as I do. That has a value. Um, and it, even as simply as work ethic, you know, he'll have worked with John Jay for, for many years and, and understand. Yeah. And, and sometimes you look at people and go, that's my guy. I've, I, 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 I'm going to work with that guy in the future. Um, so I think it is a case of Skip probably knew as he worked his way up that there were guys when he got an opportunity to hire that John Jay was probably top of that list for him, yeah. um, and probably so. You know, you bring in you bring in your own guys, don't you, to a certain degree. Um, so yeah, no, I think it'll, I think it'll be interesting. He will almost be, you know, his his second voice again, but at a lower level. You know, the players are going to yeah. be better. To John Jay, and then he's going to be able to bring it to Skip and be sort of, you know, it is that chain of command. But having a guy that you know you can trust is yeah. is invaluable. Yeah, you make some great points. You know, to be honest with you, and that that that's the thing. The guys play together; they know each other. You know, they 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 know what kind of what drives them, motivates them, how they respond to certain situations, how they respond to adversity. All these kind of key things around around being a baseball player but and a coach. So I think you make some some great points there, and I think feels like a nice fit. Um, they've gone, you know, bold with some of these, um, you know, Skip Schumacher in many ways is a, is a bold hire, and, you know, the staff is being filled out with, um, you know, some of that as well, which is interesting. Um, just to kind of wrap up, and then we'll we'll kind of move on to um, – under the Diamondbacks and, and and the Marlins as trade partners, but we already knew that um, Wellington Cepeda was was going to be back as as the bullpen coach. Uh, we also know that Eric Duncan won't be back. Uh, it's quality control that was the role he was playing uh, there. Eric Duncan used to be a hitting coach, then was I think I'd probably put as a demoted maybe to quality control or sideways move to whatever. But anyway, Rod Brahas is in uh, for that role. Um, and so we've also then got Jody Reed at third base coach as well. So we're, you know, we're starting to fill it out. Hitting coach, TBC, catching, assistant, hitting coach, uh, bullpen coordinator and defensive coaches, all, you know, some question marks there. But the staff is filling out. And we like what we're seeing uh, thus far, which is 
which is good. Any final notes on what you've seen there, Sean, or are we, uh, are we happy to keep it rolling? I'll just quick note on Baratas, which I'm not going to be able to pronounce once this year. Uh, I mean, he ultimately will be working with the catchers as well. Um, yeah. Proper solid major league career. And defensively, you know, he, he hit okay, but he was a defensive catcher. Um, so he'll know the ins and outs of the role. Um, and hopefully, you know, we know what Stallings was advertised as. And hopefully an offseason will work with, with an elite defensive guy who might help him. Um, Great job. Great shout. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, clearly, like, Stallings, it wasn't like a complete off-the-cliff situation, but, you know, it it, it definitely was a step back on, on a few things, other than the fact that him and Sandy, that hookup was absolutely sensational. So, you know, we, we can't take that away from him. But, yeah, more broadly, it was a little bit disappointing with Stallings. So, yeah, a new voice there, new approach, an elite defensive catcher being around. That's not a bad thing. Um, here's also what isn't a bad thing. So our good friends over at Bet Online, of course, guys. These graphics, as always, are sensational. And BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds, trends for every professional and amateur league out there. It is, you've got football, that's NFL, or American football to some. Basketball, soccer, football to some as well. And esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And you can head to the website today or you use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, then, Sean. We need to talk about the Marlins and Diamondbacks. But before we do that, reminder, there was some big news that dropped on Monday yesterday. Um, Carolyn O'Connor is has been promoted. I would describe it as, as president of baseball ops. And what does that mean? Here's what it means in some ways. You have Carolyn O'Connor plus Kim Ang, two female leaders of a major league baseball team, organization, American sports team. In some ways, that's probably the biggest story in many ways. I've heard so much great stuff about Carolyn O'Connor since she's been with the Marlins. She, you know, what's her role? What does this mean? What does president of baseball ops mean? I think it's effectively the off-field stuff. Sales and marketing and all the off-field ventures that the Marlins are getting into at the moment. And that's an uphill task. Like, let's let's not beat around the bush. That is a tough uphill task. But collectively, her and Kim... I think that is one hell of a story and in some ways one that we should be proud of as, as Marlins fans in many ways. So, um, Sean, anything further you want to add there on the, on that promotion? Yeah, just that you're, you're bang on in the sense of it could be, it potentially is a harder role to, to sell and market the Marlins than it is to create a successful team no on the field. I think the fact that she obviously was, she was with the organisation um, and, yeah, as you said, all the things you hear are positive to get that promotion you know, these are these are two people that are in their roles because of the the work they've done for for years in baseball and the success they've had in baseball. The fact that they're women and that they're at the top is fantastic, mm. but they're there because they've earned that, not because it's some you know token trophy. These are these are two women who have worked in baseball for for many years and had a lot of success. So 
the fact that we can hang our hat on that and say, look, the Marlins are a progressive organisation or whatever you want to say, to me, that's great. But the more important thing to me is that we've brought in two people that are there because of their success. And, and, and that's how I look at it anyway. Well summarised. Well summarised. If the Marlins are to be successful in the near term, here's what Kim needs to do, though, and that is to execute good quality trades. When we look at the way your team can get better quickly, there's pretty much two avenues, free agency and trades. Free agency, we know we are not spending the dough, unfortunately. is is. I mean, that's not confirmed. I've not heard Bruce Sherman say that specifically, but I think he has said that um, in the, the language and the, the stuff we've heard. So from Kim's perspective, it's going to be all hands on deck for some trade activity. You know, in the midterm, clearly it's about drafting and developing, etc. But for now, with this sandy window and the window open, you know, with this core, because this core actually is right at the end of its cycle as well. Some would say that it should be fully dis- dis- discarded this offseason, but I don't think it all will be. But we look into it now, Sean. For me, let me actually, here's a way of doing this for the Diamondbacks, right? You've got, let me just read you out the, the projected rotation right now on uh, on roster resource. Zach Gallon, no problem there. Absolute stud. Merrill Kelly, no problem there either. Nice. Madison Bumgarner, okay, starting to tail off now. Uh, Ryan Nelson, Dre Jameson. I've no idea who either of those two other guys were at the, at, at, in the final piece of the rotation. And Bumgarner's, you know, he's cooked now. If the Diamondbacks are serious and they follow a similar kind of path in some ways to the Marlins, if the Diamondbacks are serious, they need to add to this rotation. They need to add to it now. And that's why this is an obvious fit. They need some pitching. They also have a lot of outfielders knocking around. A lot of outfielders. What do the Marlins need? They need some outfield help rapidly. And they need young, cost-controlled outfield help. And I think the Diamondbacks have it in abundance. So... I think this is a stunning match. It was mentioned maybe a week or two ago. Maybe even on the Fish Stripes pod, if I recall correctly, was one of the first times I'd heard this mentioned specifically. And as you kind of dig into it more and more, you start to send, you, you just get the feeling like this is a really nice match. Clearly, they've done business in the past, hence why Zach Gallon is there and Jazz Chisholm is with the Marlins. Sean, how would you assess this? You know, when you look at the Diamondbacks options and outfield who's kind of sticking out for you and what kind of options could the Marlins be considering at this point yeah I mean this came about partly because as you said it's a perfect fit but my man Louis coming over as bench coach having been Mm. there many years it would be sensible to get his eye on on these guys and and he'll know you know what these guys can bring um now as you said they've got such a depth of outfield talent it's it's unbelievable so you've got Carroll Corbin Carroll I think Ultimately, he is an absolute blue chip uh, prospect. I don't see him being available for Pablo. I think the values just don't fit. And if I'm the if I'm the Diamondbacks, I'm seeing other players in my team that I would give up for Pablo and get to keep him as well because he is just he's a sure thing. It's as sure as things can come. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how comfortable I put, feel putting that out there, but there we go. <laughs> I'm done yeah. to that opinion now. Um, so in my eyes, you're looking at either Jake McCarthy or Alec Thomas for the Marlins. I think both are 
there or thereabouts, sort of similar values, um, depending on how you want to look at things. Uh, Alec Thomas, for me, is the most interesting one, simply because he's an, he's an elite defender at centre-field. Yeah. And, you know, they don't just come around every day. The, the numbers in, in the minors, very good numbers, excellent numbers. He came up this year, struggled a bit, you know, had to go back down. I think it is that sense of it's a shame because you want to trade for a, a, a you know a sure thing. The Marlins don't want to be trading Pablo and picking up a guy like Alec Thomas who's got you know been beat up a bit. But I think there's enough talent there. I think there's enough in those numbers in the minors that you you trust that there is a major league you know top fifteen centre field there. And ultimately, if he came up and he mashed, then I don't think he'd have been available for Pablo anyway. So you've kind of got to take that walk to a certain degree. But for me, that is a very good centre-field option. Elite defence comes up, you know, even if he's not exactly what he needs to be to begin with. 9,500 WRC plus bat is more than acceptable. And he will, I think, develop into more than that. And the fact that he might be a bit cheaper right now is... is, (laughs) Sounds like a mine already for me. Yeah, this this for me just feels like an absolutely perfect fit. It really does because, yeah, you you know, and this is going back to what Craig mentioned on on the show last week of you know who where are we going, Craig? What what are the Marlins going to do at center field? And I think the thing that stood out for me was Pete. You you got to maybe keep your eyes on them going after guys that maybe haven't lit it up in in twenty two. The pedigree is there, but they didn't light it up. Thus, perhaps they're available. And there may be a few of them, but I think Alec Thomas for certain fits that brief. Really does. What just Sean, how good is the glove there? Because I, you know, you're better at me than, than me at kind of analyzing, you know, how good a glove or not these guys are. So what what are the numbers telling us? I mean, he's he's played half a season at the major league level, so he should have enough data here for us to get a decent enough read. Um, I assume it will be an upgrade. If it, is. I mean, it has to be an upgrade. It'll absolutely be an upgrade. Yeah. So no, it, it's it's it is good. I mean, you're looking at, you know, it's hard to say because it was such a short sample size, but outs above average being six in a short period of time is massive. He would be, yeah, by and far. You know, you're looking at probably like a sixty grade. Guy, that's what the that's what the scouts are saying. At centre field, he is going to be the best centre field the Marlins have had in years. So that defense, we've we've seen this year with Miggy, like as bad as the year was with the bat, the defense was there and it carried value. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Alec Thomas is absolutely a plug-in and play. 150 games a season at centre field in his minor league numbers would take a walk. You know, some really good walk numbers. So for me, no reason why you don't have him leading off as well. He is, for me, it's just a no-brainer. I mean, yes, I want Brandon Nimmo. Of course I want Brandon Nimmo. But I don't see the Marlins, you know, I'm not a reporter, but I'm pretty comfortable reporting the Marlins are not going to sign Brandon Nimmo to a five-year, $125 million contract. (laughs) Oh, that is a wonderful sentence then, Sean. So I absolutely love that. That's That's a... Tip of the cap to uh, to last last week's shenanigans, but nevertheless, I'm with you on that. I think the Nimmo one would be exotic for the Marlins if they were indeed to go down that path. But 
This to me is Brandon Nimmo uh, in many ways for 750 grand um, a year or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, I think it's a stunner. I just wanted to go. So, where was Alec Thomas? Where's he come from? This, this is the other thing. You start to go down this rabbit hole. He was drafted in 2018, Alec Thomas. Um, he's absolutely blitzed up through the minors. He's been in a minor league stud. And yes, okay, it's not been amazing for him um, in his you know, his first year. He was a second round pick in in 2018, so relatively you know high pedigree there, I guess. Um, a reminder on that one as well, guys. That was when the Marlins picked 13th overall and took Connor Scott. Um, you talked earlier about Corbin Carroll, and I just wanted to call out. Yeah, you said you know blue chip type prospect. Is he available? Is he not? He was drafted in 2019, Corbin Carroll. So it's been a relatively you know quick pace to to the majors too. In some ways, obviously with the COVID year stopping things. Guess where he went. He went 16th overall, Corbin Carroll. The Marlins did pick before that. They picked fourth overall with J.J. Bladé. So this just shows you Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, these guys. The Marlins also took outfielders in those drafts. They took outfielders ahead of them. Bladé ahead of Corbin Carroll. Connor Scott around ahead of, uh, of Alec Thomas. So just... Shines a light on some of this offensive player evaluation and development for the Marlins. This is at the root of it, but we're now we're now having to try and flip the script here. Is Pablo Lopez enough for Alec Thomas? One for one, do you think? Is that is that a fair balanced trade in your opinion? Two years of Pablito, you know, you know what you're getting a three four war pitcher if healthy, I guess. For Alec Thomas, all the promise in the world, but effectively is underwhelmed at the major league level thus far. Yeah, I think the values do match up. I think, if anything, you're looking at Pablo as maybe having a bit more value. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, yeah. is there any any pieces? I mean, the, the Diamondbacks were looking at trading Christian Walker. Now, his numbers were, were very good last year, but he is owed a bit of money. He's over $7 million this year. So is there a way to piece Pablo with the two of them? I mean, that would be a fantastic fit for the Mars for me. Maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself and maybe being a bit too uh, greedy. But I think Pablo for, for Thomas is almost certainly you know f- a fair trade. The thing that you've got to call out is that the Diamondbacks are aware of what they've got in all these guys, and they're aware that there's a market for them. So yeah. it, the Marlins aren't going to be the only people knocking on the door. You know, there, there are many teams knocking on the Reynolds door. If they don't get a deal done with Reynolds, I don't, I don't actually think Pittsburgh are going to trade them. Then they're their next step is to go to the Diamondbacks. So there are going to be many suitors, um, including teams like Boston. Um, so ultimately it is a case of maybe even if Pablo for Thomas is an overpay, that's what you've got to do to get it. Ultimately the team have to make a move. They're almost like it's it's a no brainer. They need to trade from that pitching depth. And sometimes you need to overpay when you when you can't, you know, the teams can see your hand. You can't bluff them. They can see your hand. So you sometimes you've just got to to lay them down and say, "Like, well, I overbid on this." Yeah. If you, I mean, if you look at the forty man of the Diamondbacks right now, and you look on scroll all the way down to the outfielder section, I'll I'll just name them, and and they're all pretty much in the big leagues. And this is the problem in some ways for the Diamondbacks. Corbin Carroll, Stone Garrett, Stone Garrett's there. That's that's interesting. Anyway. Corbin Carroll, Stone Garrett, 
Cooper Hummel, then Jordan Luplo, Jake McCarthy, Paven Smith, Alec Thomas, and Dalton Varsho. You know, these dudes are all at the major league level right now. And this is the this is the thing, right? The Diamondbacks have got like a Corbin Carroll coming through now. Then they wanna they're thinking now it's time. I don't know what Kettle Marte's been doing either. Is he playing second base? Is he playing outfield? What's he doing? Like, they've just got too many outfielders. They have. And they like there's it's pointless having seven outfielders when you've got a two-man rotation and then a load of blanks after it. So this is a perfect trade partner for the fish. I'm absolutely convinced that the Marlins and Diamondbacks will do business and Alec Thomas will be starting in center field for the Marlins and leading off in opening day. I just it it just is the perfect fit. It really is. Um if that the thing is, is if Pablo doesn't go there, let's say it isn't Pablito, because we're all talking Pablo, and I know why, because his name was mentioned and rumored, but people were asking about Trevor Rogers last year too, uh, according to Craig. They'll be asking for Jesus Lozado. Could they be asking about Braxton Garrett? I don't know. I mean, it's possible. If these guys go actually, you know, we're looking we're looking for a lefty. Um, you know, Bumgarner's kind of tailing off. We've obviously got Gallon and Merrill, Kelly, you know, two righties. You know, could a Trevor Rogers move make sense here in some ways? I don't know. I mean, does it? It doesn't have to be Pablo, right? Of course not. No, I mean the reason why you know Pablo's on our lips isn't because we want to get rid of him. <laughs> we, no. we all love Pablo, um, not just what he does on the mound, but the way he is as well. It is a case of he is the furthest down the line as far as earning money and arbitration, and we know we're Marlins fans, so it makes sense to give up the guy that, that is going to earn more money. If it is a guy like Rogers or Lozano, I mean, again, I don't want to get rid of these guys, but no. if, if the Marlins can get a trade done. And, and get a centre fielder in and keep Pablo, then yeah, I'm I'm all up for that for sure. I mean, Rogers, you'd be selling low on him. I think Trevor would would have been the perfect guy last off season after the year he had to trade him away for a guy like Reynolds or Mullins. I think that's that would have been a nice fit. Could you get someone like that, or could you get Thomas? For a guy like Rogers, I think the values are there or thereabouts. But yeah, the, the reason why Pablo's the number one on the list as far as guys we expect to tr- them to trade, not want to trade, but expect them to trade, is because of that financial uh, obligation that the Mars have with him. Yeah, agreed. And that, that makes it makes total sense. And that's just the way that's the way of Marlins baseball and small market teams in many ways. And uh it's just the reality, which is, you know, sometimes disappointing, but I, I think this one just makes a ton of sense. You know, and uh Alec Thomas to the fish. Let's see how it goes. But for me, I can just, I, I, I'm like, I'm 90% confident this is going to happen. Like, I'm that confident. I just, I, I'm struggling to see other ones. I was talking about Brian Reynolds and obviously like Cedric Mullins, but, you know, the, the Pirates seem to be adamant that they're hanging on to Reynolds. Mullins, like, why would the Orioles trade Mullins right now when maybe their window is starting to open and. Yeah. He's so, got three years of arbitration control remaining. So Yeah, they, they've got a good team. They've got a young core. They've got yeah. a deep minor league system. So if they need to add, they'll be using that minor league system. They could be, you know, a team that could try and get pitching just from that that prospects because, you know, that's what teams are looking for. They, you know, they I think a GM was quoted as saying, we are in win-now mode. And that's, that's the thing is for the Orioles, they do it differently, right? Sorry to cut over you, mate. Um, but they, they'll spend money. That's what, for me. I'd be looking at the Orioles, thinking, "What free agents are they going to sign?" Like they are, that, and that's where I'm going with that 
comment from the GM there of we're in win now. Like they pack out their ballpark. They have the dough to spend, I think, probably. Without looking at their finance, I have no idea what their what what their spend is right now. But they said they were gonna spend more money, but compared to they had a low figure this year. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I for that reason only, when when I hear win now mode trading Mullins, does it doesn't fit that MO. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. And the Marlins aren't going to pay Nimmo 120 to 150 million. Uh, likely the Mets probably overpay and get him back, probably, because I think, you know, if he, he, he suits being a Met, to be honest with you. And I, I think it'd look weird if he was on another team. So, anyway, we're way out of time. Way over time. I said 20 minutes. We've done 32. Nevertheless, it was absolutely worth it. We've covered all of the coaching staff hires. We've talked about a front office promotion. There are two female leaders for the Marlins, and they are looking to bring success. They, are, If they are to bring success to the Marlins, we're going to need to trade well. For me, the Marlins and Diamondbacks, to solve this center field uh, puzzle, it is the perfect fit. I don't know what players will be involved, but I do believe that Alec Thomas will be a Marlin come opening day. That's going to wrap us up. Thanks for joining us on Lockdown Marlins on Tuesday, and thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. Uh, it's a UK coach, Sean Barrett, signing out. I'm myself, Peter Pratt. Good news, guys. Wednesday's another day. Locked up, Marlins will be back. See you then.